All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode six. I'm your host, Jermaine Colon-Mendez, and this is Nicholas Moran. Hey, everybody. So as per customs, we're going to kick this episode off with a little trivia. Per, cu- per customs? Yeah. Like, uh, like not per custom, but like we're coming through an airport? Yeah, like customs. Okay. Like pimp your ride style. Yo, dog, you put a <laughs> trivia question in a trivia question so you can answer a trivia question while you answer a trivia question, Yo. which is kind of what we did. Yo, your dad died oh, in a God. bubble rolling down the mountain, so we put a bubble machine in your car. <laughs> Dude, exhibit. Dude, the, the late 90s just didn't give, didn't give two Fs about anything. The quality absurdity of the television programming of the late 90s is will never be rivaled again not gonna be topped they had some outlandish shows that they just they just put up in the 90s like american gladiators fear factor oh fear factor what the original i i know people out there are gonna say there's still a fear factor no i'm talking about original joe rogan not jacked with hair (laughs) <laughs> Joe Rogan. Comedian Joe Rogan before he got Buku dollars to go with Spotify. Back when he was like, yo, dog, you're gonna eat that pig testicle and I'm gonna give you twenty five thousand dollars. You remember uh you remember Room Raiders? Oh yeah. Room Raiders, dog. That was that's, another that's one. one where they decided to go on. What was the one where they what was the one MTV show where they met with their parents? And they watched it with their oh, parents. You know what I'm talking about? Man, I don't. I know exactly which one you're talking about. I don't remember. All right. So to our listeners, if you guys remember what reality show or dating show this was, go ahead and reach out to us and let us know. We'll, we'll include it in the Nick Talks Out of His Ass segment for next week. But with that being said, uh, this week's uh, trivia question is going to be uh, – so are we going to do all of them or did you – yeah, we'll do we'll do so so that's it's kind of funny that I said that exhibit thing because it's pretty much going to be four parts. Well, yeah, four parts. So, our trivia question this week is give us the first who is the first who was the first African American to win MVP in every of the three major sports, meaning baseball, football, and NBA. MLB, NFL, and NBA. I said MLB again, didn't I? <laughs> no, you said yeah. baseball, football, yeah, yeah, yeah. NBA, and I was just like, uh, or basketball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know, I know, Taki so good. So, who was the first African American to win MVP in every three major sports: baseball, basketball, football? Do you have any guesses, Jermaine? What if I told you they all happened? In a ten-year period, they all happened in the same decade. Uh, I mean, if I had to take a rip, I would. It's 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 pretty easy to think of. Baseball, I probably wouldn't get. Yeah, you could. Oh, that's easy. Uh, just because I'm not, I'm not like modern day baseball. I'm good. It's just like old timey baseball. But it's, like, it's if, I'm, if I'm shooting from the hip, yeah. I'm, going, I'm going like. I mean. Yeah. Um, and then we have a bonus question, Jermaine, because I felt bad that we named basketball, football, and baseball. Who was the first black player 
who was the first black NHL player. Also, in the same decade as all these MVPs. The only reason I did not say African-American is he was not African-American. He was Canadian. So who was the first African-American to win MVP in every uh, major sport, baseball, basketball, football? And then who was the first black NHL player? Those are our trivia questions. Is it (laughs) – so do they call it African-Canadian? I would I would assume so, yes. <laughs> Af- Afro-Canadian. <laughs> and so I'm assuming that because you pivoted and asked who was the first black player in NHL history, there is no NHL black like no African American or African born player who's won the MVP then in the NHL. Uh, I don't I don't think so. I can only off the top of my head think of one black player in the league who is uh, actually African-American, and that's Seth Jones. Who's P.K. Subin's Canadian? Yeah, he's Canadian. I think he's, I think he's Quebecois. Oh, I mean, but like what I'm asking essentially is, is, is has there been any like African descent, whether they're Afri- Afro-Canadian or whatever? Have, have He was born in Toronto. Yeah, has any of them won the MVP in the NHL, or is it, or has it only been white players? I thought you looked this up for uh, for the trivia, bro. No, there's never been a black uh, player to win MVP. I, I don't. That that's that's a great question. I don't know. I didn't. Look huh. Yeah, that's crazy. So that means that means the first black NHL player to win the MVP would be the first, and we would witness history. Yes. And, the, and you know Daddy likes him some history witnessing. That's right. Wayne Simmons of the Philadelphia Flyers is the was the first black player to be uh named the All-Star MVP. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh sorry, he plays with the Buffalo Sabres now. Damn, that would have been a really good Nick Talks out of your ass. I gotta stop Googling stuff. <laughs> yeah, you can't fix it mid show. What kind of shenanigans yeah. is that? Speaking so, yeah. of Nick's t- Nick talks out of his ass. Yeah, so this segment's pretty uh error filled from last. Yeah, so so we threw what what did you call it? You threw the you threw I threw the equivalent of a of a complete game in, in episode uh, in episode 5, 4, episode 4 is when episode 4. Episode 4 I threw uh a complete game. This time, I got bounced after like three innings. You, you had yourself like, a John Lester, two innings, seven hits, four runs yeah. performance. So, so there's, this is also going to be sprinkled throughout with, the, with a little bit of stats. But we had the trivia question last week. Who is the only eight seed to win the Stanley Cup? Now, the, the trivia question was right because it was created by Jermaine. The 2012 Kings were the... Uh, only eight seed to win the cup. There's been four eight seeds to make the Stanley Cup finals. The 91 Wild, the 06 Oilers, the uh, 2012 Kings, and the 2017 Predators. The closest was the Oilers. They obviously got beat by the 06 Hurricanes in Game 7. Oh, we talked about... In a true elimination game. In a true elimination game. Winner go home. We talked about the Tampa Bay Lightning, and Jermaine and I were both unsure if the Tampa Bay Lightning won the President's Trophy last year or this year. Jermaine, they won it in 2019, 
last year. Did you know they had a record two hundred and are they sorry a record one hundred and twenty eight points and a plus one hundred eight gold differential? Plus one hundred eight gold differential. One hundred eight, and they got is swept that, by Columbus in four games. Is that an all time goal differential? I would have to look it up, but that's that's insane. Plus one hundred eight. That seems that's insane. Ooh. The team, so, 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 so to put that in perspective, to put that in perspective, when the NHL season got put on hold, the highest team was plus 54. That's what I'm saying. 108 sounds, yeah, it sounds truly historic. That's uh, we'll, we'll have pretty to, crazy. We'll have to make a note for that, uh, for next week's pod. We'll definitely touch on that. So last week I said that the uh, Washington Capitals won three back-to-back President's Trophies. They never won three back-to-back President's Trophies. They won two back-to-back in 2015, 2016, and then 2016 to 17, or whatever that is. Whatever the two the two years from 16 to 18. So they had 15 and 16, which was a back-to-back, and then they had 17 and 18. Yeah. So wait a minute. Yeah, whatever oh, makes so sense out of that. They won it. They won it in sixteen, seventeen, and seventeen, eighteen. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah, there, there may be a reoccurring Nick talks out of his ass though on that one. <laughs> Just and and also, I I went down on a rabbit hole when I when I was listening to the podcast, Jermaine. Here's some presidential cup facts for you. Ooh, so it's been a, it's okay. been awarded. The first season that the presidential cup awarded was 1995-96. There was no award in 2004, 2005 due to the lockout, obviously, and there's no award this year yet. So that means a total of 34 years. In the 34 years, which means 34 teams have won it, eight have won the Stanley Cup, the last being your boys. Let's go. The 2012-2013 Chicago Blackhawks. Let's go. Three, Three of those 34 teams Technically, 11 of those 34 teams have made the finals, but three have not won the cup. Seven seven of the 34 teams to win the President's Trophy have been bounced in the first round. (laughs) So you are almost as likely to win the Stanley Cup as you are to be bounced from the first round. So, (laughs) coming down the line, sports fan, keep a watch out for... Keep a watch out for... Room 303 bet that the President's Trophy uh, winner will not make it out of the first round. Yeah, we might have to we might have to bet against them to win that to win that series. That is so. Uh, the well, we'll t- we're going to touch on that later about the NHL announcing their plans and everything. But with yeah. the regular season being uh, essentially ended with their yeah. their decision. Did they announce that the team with the most points would get the President's Trophy? Or are they I doing what it, happened I, with the I lockout don't think and they're I don't, not awarding it? I don't well because the lockout had no hockey played. There was no hockey played in 0405. I think that right they'll award it because there was over half the season played. I think it's the Boston Bruins right now. I'll have to look that up though. Ooh, we gotta look at that seating. Who's who's who does Boston? And Boston lost to St. Louis Blues last year, right? So they can easily get upset. So Ooh, I, I, I kind of like so that. I said that, like uh, that. I said that. Oh, Boston! Yeah, put some pizza money on whoever the whoever Boston's playing. 
Um, I said that the Penguins probably made the uh, playoffs uh, and won it as an eight seed when we were answering the trivia question. They've made the playoffs four times as an eight seed, but they've never advanced past uh, the first round. Oh. However, in my rabbit hole, I found that the Detroit Red Wings, fuck the dead things, have made the playoffs 64 times, Jermaine. 64 times in their history they've made the playoffs. How long is the NHL? When was the NHL established? Well, that's a great question. Thank you for asking it. Let me Google that. Um, Keep going. So the Red Wings have made the playoffs 64 times. They have only been an eight seed or the last seed in the conference once. Dang, 64 times? 64 times, and they've only been the last seed once. November 26, 1917, in Montreal, Montreal, Canada. So there you go. While World War I was raging, the Canadians only cared about playing hockey. (laughs) Shout out Canada. Shout out Canada. (laughs) Getting your real priorities. (laughs) <laughs> so moving in, so we, we talked a little bit about the Avs Red Wings rivalry rivalry. Uh the rivalry was from nineteen ninety-six to two thousand six. I was a little off on the years. I was also I also subtracted one Stanley Cup from the Red Wings, which they probably cheated their way to. A couple <laughs> of facts about that series. Uh in that eleven years, ninety-six to oh six, there were five total playoff meetings between the the uh Colorado Avalanche and the Detroit Red Wings. The Avs won three of them. Detroit won two of them. There were three meetings in the Western Conference Finals. Every year, Jermaine, that the that the Avs or the Red Wings met in the final, that team won the Stanley Cup. So it was like whoever won that was the best team, obviously. Basically. It, it's kind of like a it's kind of been like how the Western Conference in the NBA is lately. Exactly. Six of <laughs> six of those eleven years, either Detroit or Colorado was number one seed. Detroit obviously having more uh, four number one seeds in Colorado, who had two. And three times the teams were one and two. Oh, okay, that's dope. Everyone loves yeah. a good one-two matchup. So I talked about uh, transitioning now. I talked about soccer, and we talked about the 2011-2012 Championship uh, League with Bayern getting beat by Chelsea. And I said, John Terry finally got his revenge. Well, John Terry didn't get his revenge because he didn't feature in the match. He wasn't in the lineup. (laughs) He was suspended. But Didier Drogba (laughs) hit the winning penalty kick for Chelsea. There was no rain. I also said it was in the rain. There was no rain in the forecast. (laughs) Shout out Phoenix Rising FC with Didier Drogba. Shout out. Uh, Was John Terry suspended due to like accumulation of yellow cards? Or I could not find that actually. I tried to look for it, and very briefly I looked for it, and I could not find it. So I'll I will update you. He was suspended for being an idiot, probably. We'll go ahead and ask Um that it was yellow cards. (laughs) So uh, I pronounced uh, one of our good friends' names on the podcast terribly last night. I did not do his last name justice. Francisco Suave's last name, Jermaine, is pronounced Del Golado. I don't remember what I said, but it was nothing close to that. So Del Golado is how you pronounce his last name. I butchered it. Did he did he hit you up to tell you that? He didn't hit me up, but I was listening to the podcast and I was like, oh, I gotta I gotta write a wrong somewhere in the universe. <laughs> I thought at, what, last, at, at one I thought point last week. Was Delgado, though. No, Delogado. 
or Del. See, I just did it again. Del Golado. He, he, you know what, Suave? You have a stupid last name anyway. <laughs> Rooting for Mexico ass. Skin. At, skin. At, skin. at one point, at one point, I said in the podcast last week, you expected three teams talking about international soccer, and then I only named Spain or Germany. So if my elementary math is correct, that's only two teams. Uh, I said last week that only two major league teams are paying their minor league players. That's not true. Uh, actually, technically, when we made the podcast last week, all major league clubs were paying their their minor leaguers. They agreed to pay them four hundred dollars a week through May. Uh, yeah. eighteen clubs have agreed to play their minor pay, pay their minor leaguers through June. Nine are paying through August, and then the Reds are paying through the first week of September, which is the actual end of the uh, regular season or of the minor league season. I also said that a major league fastball was 95 miles per hour. It's actually not. It's 93 miles per hour. And that concludes Nick talks out of his ass. Well, Jesus, you had a, you had a field day with mess ups and I'm out of breath. That's, that's the equivalent of giving up a home run on your first pitch, by the way. I so. think I think we could end the podcast. We've talked so much about yep. you fucking up right here. That's right. <laughs> For those of you who are listening, just if go back, tell your friends if they listen, just hit, hit it on like the Apple one times button and just hear me go through all of it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go ahead and time stamp. Time. We'll, we'll go ahead and time stamp it for you guys so you can skip all the errors. <laughs> That's right. So, Jermaine, as we do uh, every week with Nick Talks out of his ass, a big thing is we also talk about the returns, and we have a couple of updates on our that we bring you every week on the return of sports. Some sports have returned. Some sports are talking about returning. What do you have for us, J Man? There's a ton of new and exciting information that essentially makes us sacrificing three months of sports. We're going to get rewarded with in a ungodly amount of sports all at the same time. Like we're going to go from LeBron James yamming it on mofo's heads and James Harden failing again in the Western conference finals Shout out <laughs> to people fighting on an island, to PGA Tour at the same time, to NHL hockey at the same time, as well as the NFL football season and what I'm assuming will be the NCAA uh, football season as well. Well, so they have to make money somehow. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, changed my mind. NCAA is a business. But with that being said, one of the, one of my favorite things to come out of this uh Newsweek, right? Obviously, the NBA being back is my all-time favorite. That's my favorite favorite sport. Next being soccer, um, but I love combat sports, right? Including uh, pro wrestling, which is not really a combat sport, but it's still super athletic. I love like, all sh- like shopping on Black Friday. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> Anyways, UFC Fight Island has announced a date. I don't believe this is going to be a numbered pay-per-view. I believe it's going to be like a UFC Fight Night event that's just available if you have an ESPN Plus prescription. But So that way they can work out the kinks of before they get to an actual pay-per-view. But 
Uh, they've announced that July 11th, the first broadcast from UFC Fight Island with a complete with a beachside octagon will that's when their you know preemination will begin and it's going to be sick i mean who doesn't want to see people fight each other on island it's like mortal Kombat. like every so, kid grew up playing mortal Kombat, and now yeah. dana white is channeling his inner shao Kahn and saying your so, soul is mine nah so i gotta burst your bubble a little bit on that one jermaine why so they, they had a press conference they had a press conference with dana white yesterday dana white said and i quote there will be no fighters walking out through tiki torches, and I certainly won't be sitting on a big throne overseeing the fights. Well, fuck you, Dana. Yeah, Dana White, you dropped the ball. <laughs> you missed. You had, you had the perfect opportunity to survival, survivor style this Mortal Kombat. Enter the dragon. You, they didn't even need an octagon. Put him in a sand pit shaped like an octagon. Like, God, what is he talking about? He should have had. He should have had false floors so that way when the person loses and they raise one guy's arm, the other dude falls through the hole, like to never be seen again. This is this is garbage, Dan and White. I thought you <laughs> I thought you were an entertainer. I thought you were a man of the people. <laughs> That's right. They need to do the emperor from Rome, do the do the thumbs up and the thumbs down if if the fight didn't go the way. If the fight goes to decision, that's how he needs to decide the fight. Yeah, but uh, with that being said, there's no uh, announcements as in regards to like who's main eventing that night or any fights really coming from UFC uh, Fight Island, and it's it's a pretty tricky situation because they recently they've just had a slew of top stars who are fed up with the payouts with them, and uh, so. Just to elaborate a little further, you have Henry Cejudo, who retired after successfully defending his Bantamweight title. And he's one of only two performers in UFC history to successfully defend and, and uh, his, his belt in two divisions, and the other being Daniel Cormier. And then you have John Jones, who has a public spat with them currently. And then Jorge Masvidal is now coming in as well with another spat. And essentially, John Jones and Jorge Masvidal, they're not saying, I'm going to retire like Cejudo said. They want are asking to be released from their UFC contract. But uh, so the next news to come out of that, uh, as far as the returns, is the NBA news. And yeah. NBA came up with a... Not, not on an island, by the way. <laughs> not on an island. I mean, I guess Disney could be an island. Yeah, Adam. Hey, Adam. If you're listening to this, you need to have the players walk out through tiki torches, and, and you need to be sitting on a big throne <laughs> overseeing the final regular season games. Good, good. <laughs> also, yes. shout out. Also, shout out my boy Adam. Yes, LeBron. <laughs> Excellent. LeBron is back in the playoffs. <laughs> Not Western Conference will finally be crippled. Not one, not two, not three. Oh, God. <laughs> how crazy. That was, when, that was Eastern Conference abroad, dude. He's much more older, much more humbler now. What a fucking – it's just like, dude, don't – it's like it's like sports his, histor, historics. You know what I mean? It's like don't say you're going to do something and then don't do it because yeah. we're going to make fun of you so hard for that. Well, there's – like also it's like a – like speaks often and carry a big stick like if you win four championships and you didn't say you were going to win four championships 
Like it, it's it. You're like okay. It's like the whole Joe Namath thing. Like Joe Namath was like, I'm going to win that Super Bowl. And if he lost, he would have been an, an idiot and kind of an a hole. And now that he won the Super Bowl, you're kind of like, okay, so he was right. Like th- like the payoff, I don't feel is really that big for LeBron to be like, I'm going to win five championships. Yes, yeah, like LeBron. LeBron, can't you just be like, I'm going to win one and then see how, like, well, <laughs> well I'm going to build a legacy. Like, do that dumb shit where you're like, um, I I just want to connect with the community and build a legacy here. When you all know, thinking in your head, not one, not two, but you still but you still don't say it. Because then when you only win two, LeBron, you look like a moron. A moron. And th- that's the thing is like. And LeBron, that's coming Le- from a guy named Morahan. LeBron is a king hooper, bro. And, like, I love watching him play and I respect what he does and stuff. But I'm forever going to make fun of him for that. Like, that's unacceptable, dude. You can't be the best player of your time and say you're going to do something and then drop the ball and not be ridiculed. And that's what I, where I feel like I have a major annoyance with his fans is because <clears throat> they're not consistent with the way they judge and critique people. Like, he – he gets held to a different, much lighter standard than other people, and it's pretty comical. And so, also, everybody else might have forgotten this, Jermaine. Everybody else might have forgot, but I want my GD hour back, LeBron. I wasted an hour watching you sit in a chair and get interviewed. I want my hour back. You're going to give me my hour back at some time. Sometime, some way, LeBron, <laughs> I'm getting my hour back from you. Because I watched 55 minutes of your highlights from high school with kids (laughs) sitting around you for you just to be like, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. I'm getting my hour back. (laughs) Doug, like I know that that a lot of that stuff went to charity, which is is super dope. And LeBron is very good at giving to charity. I'm sure he is. He's a professional athlete, so he doesn't look good in the camera. But I'm getting my hour back. He also held the sports world captive for over a week like that's the other thing that nobody talks about everyone <laughs> makes fun of this hour right LeBron, but there LeBron was held him, held him captive there was like this eight or nine day span where sports center is like where will lebron go where will lebron go and then it's like lebron lebron is on vacation in costa rica is he signing with a costa rican professional sports team and i'm like is he gonna is he gonna retire and coach costa rican basketball for kids here's what we do when we send up the rooney rule letter we need to also file a, a civil suit against LeBron for, for holding a, a nation, for holding 375 million people captive for seven days. This is, this is almost as bad as the Iranian hostage thing. LeBron held 365 million people hostage for what? What is that? Hundreds of hours? It was, dude, the worst part was is like there was so many like there was other things happening in sports and stuff, and they refused to talk about it. They were like, "Fuck other sports." Stop. I can I can just imagine you walk in, you're like, "Hey Johnny, I got this. Uh, we got this guy, uh, this NHLer who's recovered from cancer, and he's about to play." No, LeBron hasn't made his decision yet. <laughs> we're gonna talk about that for seventeen we're hours talk about where he could go. Now, live to Stephen A. The pontification of elaborance is just the essence of tranquility. Thanks, Stephen A. <laughs> Excellent word, Bob. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's let's push through these dates real quick for the NBA. Now that we 
<laughs> Long story short, we're excited to see LeBron in the playoffs again, but we we're, we're also gonna make fun of some bad decisions. Remember what I said about rabbit holes? <laughs> Welcome to Room Three Hundred Three. <laughs> Welcome to Room Three Hundred Three. It's one giant rabbit hole. <laughs> so the start date they're looking at is July thirty first in Orlando with training camps beginning July 9th through eleventh, right? Uh, and that's gonna di- that's gonna those dates are tentative based on the 9th and eleventh are will be decided based on how long it takes players to travel and stuff like that. Cause you obviously have a lot of uh, European talent that will be involved. It's a 22 team format, 13 Western conference, nine Eastern conference. Um, so there's going to be eight regular season seeding games. And what happens is if you're the eighth and ninth seed are within four games of each other at the end of those eight games, they based will on, based on winning percentage, right? That's what, that's what came out today is that, because there's such a difference in games, it's based on winning percentage. Correct. Yeah. For for those eight games, it'll be it'll be the winning percentage. And so whoever falls into the eighth, if they have four games or more difference between them and the ninth seed, the eighth seed will just move into the playoffs. But if there's if they're any clo- if they're closer than those four games, they will play each other in essentially what is a play-in game. Right, and if the ninth seed beats the eighth seed, then they play another another game to determine who the who makes it into it. So the ninth seed would have to beat the eighth seed twice to get the eighth seed and move into the. And because sports loves us, and sports has left us for so long, that means that we're going to have four eight, nine games because I won't, I will accept nothing less yeah. than, than yeah, the ninth seed beating the eight seed. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then, so I wanted to touch on it real quick on some dates uh, that would fall very quickly after the end of the season, be, uh, because obviously we need to get into the next season because uh, we'll be in that window at that time. So the NBA has tentatively, tentatively set some dates. Obviously, the MBPA has some sway, and they could probably change these dates. I actually don't foresee the MBPA changing these. I just think that the next season will be a little shorter. Instead of 82, it'll be 72, or it'll be like 68, something like that. But free agency is going to kick off October 18th, and we all know how wild the NBA free agency is. I know LeBron's under contract, but he could still somehow change teams. because <laughs> That doesn't matter. At that. Yeah. that doesn't matter. LeBron controls his own con. LeBron <laughs> wrote his contract. He can break it at any time. He does what he wants, bro. If he wants to go lead the Raptors to a chip, like he will. <laughs> He'll just he'll just put out another Nike commercial and they'd be like, "Oh, you didn't want to pay me my money? Uh, Nike just paid me my money. I'm going to go somewhere." Else. <laughs> and then um, you have the 2021-22 season start date set for December 1st, with the training camp be- beginning uh, November 10th. So you're looking at maybe a little less than a month off for these players, right? For but because they had the long break after the season, it's going to be a real real quick playoff format where not all of them are playing. I think it's a fairly reasonable. Like if you make a deep playoff run, good for you. That's what you want to do anyways, but you're going to have a quick turnaround to play. Uh, draft lottery set for August 25th. Um, that'll be interesting to see. Just to see. I always love when the, the worst team doesn't get the one pick, the number one overall pick. So, that's always funny to me. And then the actual draft itself will be October 15th, just a few days before free agency kicks off. We're going to go ahead and move into the NHL. NHL announced uh, 
that they'll be coming back with a 24-team playoff seating, and I believe we touched on it on last did we touch on it last podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, so there's no, there's no like what we said last week. There's no change to the seating. They're they're still kind of negotiating on that start date. What did happen is in two days on June eighth, phase two of their ready to play uh, plan, basically meaning players are allowed to return but work out in small groups, which is no more than six people. Um, and they also announced that after each round of the playoffs, teams will be reseeded. So yeah, that's I'm actually uh so that's the more that's typically the more NHL traditional approach. I, that was that's how they did it before the 2013-2014 season when they reseeded everything. Yeah, looking back, it's looking back at at the playoffs like the, since like even since 85 and 80, 86, it kind of seems like that's how it's been. So I was kind of annoyed at first cuz I was like, "Oh, it's just like March Madness. Whoever you get whatever you get is whatever you get." But then it's kind of just like, what well, you got to, you got to beat the best to be the best. So, and, yeah. and, and if the first seed advances, well, then they should get the number four seed. Sucks, sucks for the eight, the eight team, I guess. But the Kings won it before they twitched up seating, so it should be good. So the the MLB, I I don't I I mean like whatever the MLB basically their last update that we have from the third of June. Is the the NBA or the MLB PA uh, did a 114 game season request that would have gone on into November? It would have had crazy amounts. Of players would have got. It's basically the players trying to recoup as much money as they can. The owners rejected it. They're not going to make a counter proposal. They want a shorter season, and the owners want a postseason that ends before November because they don't want their postseason to be canceled if a second wave of Corona appears. So right now we're looking at a 50 to 60 game season. The start date before the start date on July 4th that I loved is not going to happen. And, and I, I honestly don't see any way that we can get baseball. I, I, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about a 50 to 60 game season. I mean, what's going to be next a 30 to 40 game season. That's the type of season I played in high school. Like colleges are playing 50 to 60 game seasons with tournaments. Like, how much lower are we going to go so you guys can get your money? I'm just, I'm so sick of, I'm, I'm typically, this This is typically a player's podcast, right? I'm all about them getting their money. But to be so inflexible in a time that requires an enormous amount of flexibility, I'm kind of good. I'm on the, I've been on, I told you from the beginning, I'm on the owner's side. I'm like, good riddance. Let the players not get paid at all. I, fine. You don't get a year in service. You don't get any pay. Figure it out. Go sell some cars like early, <laughs> early 60s NBA. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm sick and tired of hearing them complain about, oh, instead of me getting my 35 million, I'm going to get 8 million instead. I'm like, yeah, that's, them's the breaks, bro. They'll figure out how to get you the money later. But and the and and the owners even said that they're in their uh, when they were proposing eighty one games they had a st- statement in there for next year and years following that to get you your salary back for yeah, salary benefits upwards of two hundred million so I I don't know somebody somebody has to know something I think the players are really getting angry because they're kind of laid bare in these situations because the owners can see exactly how much they're playing the they're they're paying the players and they can work it out and the and the players aren't able to see the owners books that's that's what their their main thing is but we'll we'll move on cuz that i we could talk for days about that so that 
going over real quickly. Good the riddance. Ed- yeah, good riddance. I love baseball, but I don't think it's coming back. I think it's uh, not happening this year either. So NFL coaches this week return their facilities. The regular season is still starting September 10th. Uh, no new updates for college football either. The players were returning to the campuses, and basically campus schools are beginning a rigorous corona testing program. So when you start these testing programs, you obviously have multiple cases popping up among multiple Power 5 schools like onesie-twosie here and there. We covered soccer last week. The only real change to soccer is that the uh, Champions League will be having a meeting on the dates for the uh, semis. No, the dates for the quarters, the semis, and the final on June 17th, and the location because it's not in Istanbul uh, anymore. Then golf. Golf will return. Golf is actually coming back next Ooh, weekend. I want to break this news, bro. Okay, yeah. So so golf is actually coming back this this weekend with the Charles Schwab Challenge. And here on the scene, we have resident golf <laughs> reporter, JC, well, J- JC Mendez. JC, can you hear me? <laughs> oh, hi. Hi, Nicholas. Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yes, uh, perfectly fine. Go ahead and take us through the Charles Schwab Challenge, if you would. We're going we're, – we're pushing through some inclement weather here. So if you, if you do lose me, I apologize for the inconvenience. That's all right. We're, we're, you're, you're, on a, you're on a paper interview basis, so <laughs> this won't be long anyway. Uh, it's actually not about the Charles Schwab. I just wanted to – and this is like such a big victory for me uh, because I am just very upset with the handling of the world – with like the COVID-19 scenarios, but the Memorial tournament that was announced in Ohio is going to be the first event with fans for July 16th through the 19th. So that's the one I wanted to break. But as far as the Charles Schwab challenge, 16 of the top 20 world golfers are going to be in attendance. And that tournament is going to be coming up next weekend. So that's going to be dope, especially since golf has a very good, a possibility right now to capitalize on the momentum that was established after the match too, because it was such a highly viewed program. It was so well received. It was a lot of fun. It, it engaged and it scratched the itch that sports fans have. And now that they're returning on a weekend when there's not very many other things going on, I'm sure UFC will probably have uh, an event or something like that. I haven't actually checked their schedule, but they could be the lone sports playing that weekend. And and with that, if they use the same similar tangibilities that they had with the match too, they can start drawing in more people. Hopefully a, hopefully a younger crowd so that way it can help backfill their fan base and, and help, the, help golf grow as a whole. And that's one of the things. Ah, uh, that was for. good. That was good. The pun said- there. You said golf grows a hole. That was that was a very good pun. I was gonna slide it in, not say it in it. <laughs> yeah, or you were you gonna put it in or chip it in? Okay, now we're trying too hard. <laughs> uh, go ahead and touch on some of the other dates for the uh, PGA. Yeah, so so for the majors, so the British Open has already been canceled this year. The PGA Championship will be the first major we get to see actually pretty soon in about two months, the sixth and the ninth of August. The U.S. Open September is really going to be the good year, if if or is going to be the good month. So September seventeenth to September twentieth is going to be the U.S. Open. Immediately the week following, or the Thursday following, they're going to play the Ryder Cup. 
right? Jermaine and I both think the Ryder Cup is going to get canceled and moved to 2021 because there's that because of international travel regulations. There's there's uh, a lack, probably going to be a lack of fans at the uh, at the course, but we'll see. We'll update you guys as the as the news comes. And then the Masters will be played the 12th to the 14th. So golf coming back, also coming back horse racing. So because the Derby yeah. and, and the Preakness got canceled. The Belmont Stakes, scheduled for June 20th, standby for our horse racing picks, will be the first race of the Triple Crown. Then the Derby will come September 5th, and the Preakness will come in October, October 3rd, and that will be our Triple Crown for this year. And then also a, a sport that only people care about when it's time for the majors, uh, except for some of my some of my uh, my tennis-loving friends. Uh, for tennis, Wimbledon is canceled out together altogether. Uh, shout out Kat Finnegan, by the way, uh, us open August 24th. The French open will start September 20th. Uh, and then the Australian open will start mid, uh, January, 2021. And that is all about the returns. Hopefully we can stop doing this segment around (laughs) July and it can just turn into a one bullet thing of where we're like, this is coming back, but (laughs) that'd be terrific. I don't, I don't know why the UK is just giving up. They're like British Open canceled, <laughs> Wimbledon canceled. I think they did it kind of, kind of preact, like proactively. Proactively pre, they did pre-actively. it. They did it preact. That's like uh, post haste. What do people say? <laughs> post haste and not pre haste. <laughs> but Jermaine, the main yeah. purpose that I brought you here today. The main reason that we're having this podcast today is because ESPN has released a groundbreaking documentary. And you and I both watched it in the month of May, and I'm sure everybody else in the United States and around the world watched it. That was The Last Dance, the 10-part miniseries about the Chicago Bulls, mainly centering on their 1997 to 98. Is that correct? Yeah, that was the ni- when they won the 98 championship. Yeah. 97 and 98 season. Well, Jermaine, I'll let you start and I'll jump in. But Jermaine and I both watched it, and that's the main part of this podcast tonight is we want to talk about our last dance impressions. I have some funny quotes. I have a list of people that uh, Michael Jordan beat. But I'll start with you, Jermaine. What did you think? <sighs> well, it's, it's – uh, so I'm – uh, for the record, uh, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. Uh, it hasn't been exactly the most pleasant uh, three decades since. Or no, sorry, two decades since. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it was terrific to see. I actually was watching one of the later episodes today. I think it was, I believe it was episode nine. And one of my best friends walked into the room and I was just like, yo, dude, watch this right here. This scene right here. This play is the exact play that I dream about that made me a basketball lover. It's the reason why I'm a Bulls fan. The Jordan layup switch? No. And that's so that's what's so funny is like if you know me, you know that my favorite player of all time is Scottie Pippen, right? And if you talk to a Bulls fan, I guess I don't like, know you. <laughs> if you talk to a Bulls fan and your favorite player isn't Michael Jordan, it's kind of you know not normal. By the but, way, shout out, shout out, uh, Central Arkansas, where my exactly. ste- where my stepmother went. 
the your, Central Arkansas Golden Bears. Your mom went to there? Yeah. That's dope. Um, but so I, I just love this documentary because it took every single player and kind of spotlighted them, talked about it, and filled their backstory on the 97-98 team. And it was really awesome to see that kind of in-depth look at it. I really wish that Jerry Krause was still alive so we could hear his side of it. Uh, R.I.P. Whiny little bitch. Um, you know, <laughs> that's I'm not a huge Jerry Krause fan because he was like determined to break up, break this up before it was ready. But I do think that he gets uh, a lot of a lot of misplaced hate. The dude was an excellent talent evaluator. He was a great general manager and he knew how to build a franchise as well as evaluate talent and put it together. So I, I will give him his credit for that. I mean, Tony Kukoc is a favorite of mine as well. And, you know, Jerry Krause was, was the person who found him and brought him in. Yeah, but also, yeah. I, so, so again, I'll, before I say this, I totally agree with you. Like, there's, there's no way that those teams don't bring in. I mean, what, what, what GM who doesn't have some sort of plan in mind fires a coach who gets them to the Western or the Eastern Conference Finals the year before after not doing anything, fires that coach and then brings in a relatively unknown. Other, he, he had a plan. He kept all those stars together, and when those stars left. The John Paxtons, the I, I'm I'm gonna Horace Horace Grant. Well, yeah, I, I'm gonna screw some names up, but they they had like a crop of players in that first run of three championships, and then they completely replaced them, except for Scottie Pippen. And then when Jordan came back, he had completely new people, except for Pippen, who's then again a year older, or, or you know, four years older. And they still won three more championships. It's 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 incredible. So, but still, he's a big baby. And, yeah, he, and, he didn't handle it exactly. And one of the one of the things that I said about my uh, that one of my observations from the show is Jerry Krause set Tony Kukoc up to get his ass kicked. And to, and poor Tony, poor Tony Kukoc seemed in the video. He was like, "Look, dude, I was just playing basketball. And all of a sudden, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen are just beating the shit out of me." Yeah, dude, I I was I was loving when they because international basketball took, had a real big boon in the early '90s, right? And it was because of the Dream Team and all that, and the Bulls and Jordan and Scottie Pippen and all all that, right? And you know, I'm Isaiah Thomas got fucked. Let's just get that out of the way now. Isaiah Thomas is I don't I don't know if he I mean he did, but I don't know if he okay I, I, he did. Yes, he should have been on the Dream Team. He's on anyone's. Like if you're going to establish a dream team and egos are not a part of it. At that time, Isaiah Thomas should have been on it. I mean, the dude was, he doesn't get enough credit for how tremendous a ball player he was. True. But I mean, I mean, Jordan and even other players say in the documentary that Isaiah Thomas would have brought a very different energy. The dream team would have had a very different energy with Isaiah Thomas on it. Yeah. I mean, because, I do, because I do he's a dude, that. he's a dude that, that, you know, when, when you, you, the reason that the Pistons went after him. So went after Jordan so hard is because Isaiah was angry that the spotlight was moved from him and moved to Jordan. 
because he was a dude that was like, I should be the best. The spotlight should be on me. I should be the dude to carry the torch from Bird and Johnson. I should be the dude holding the torch right now. And here comes this young kid, Michael Jordan, and he's the greatest basketball player we've ever seen. But we didn't know him. We, we, we You and I weren't alive when he was just a, a young Thundercat. <laughs> and I think that I, I think that Isaiah Thomas and, and rightfully so, right? Every champion athlete, and, and I honestly think Isaiah Thomas is more reflective of our modern game than any of those players were, right? Because you 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 look at it, and I'm faulting the guy for being a guy that's like I'm the dude, right? I'm that dude, right? I took a team to two championships. I should be that dude. But now you see every player, and that was one of my things, like. We we talked about can this could could this this team work like would the compare the nineties to now? I think Isaiah Thomas is that guy that really links the modern game with the nineties because he's that guy that you see now that's basically like I'm gonna go play with these guys, but if I don't mesh with these guys and I'm not the dude, shout out Kyrie Irving, I'm gonna go somewhere where I'm the dude and I'm yeah. gonna try to win a championship. He, he wants to be – he so to be the best, right, at any given time, which Isaiah Thomas was absolutely the best for like a three-year stretch, True. right? He was, he was the best in the league. To be the best, you have to have a certain level of sociopath, some, a, a high level of narcissism. And for you to, to be at that level and just willingly accept that this, this kid – is now the guy? Nah, I definitely yeah. I understand where Isaiah Thomas is coming from. Yeah. You, so, you know, I don't. I obviously I don't know the relationships between them, and I don't know exactly what was said, except for like the little bit that it's covered. But him not being on that team is not as big a travesty as people think it is, because a lot of people fail to realize is that they're also piecing together a team that's going to be built on chemistry, right? And every sports team relies on chemistry to be good. And this is why I can pick up a ball and go play with my four friends who I've played hoops with so much. And we can dust up the obviously more talented individuals, right? They might, they're probably going to be more athletic than us. They're probably going to be more polished in certain areas with us. Indi- individually, every single every if you play five on five, every single one of those guys is a better basketball player than the five guys you assemble. Exactly, but because of our chemistry, our IQ, our savvy, and our ability to work together, our our collective whole is still better than their collective whole, which is what they were doing on that dream team. They were building a team specific towards chemistry, and Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> was a rival for every single person on that, yeah. on that and he team. beat the shit out of every single person there and he and he punked a lot of them and he let them know and he got burned for it you know and do, do i think it's justified no am i shocked it happened no do i understand why why they didn't put him on the team absolutely and the performance that the 92 dream team uh hit there is no they don't have to apologize for anything it fucking was a huge success (laughs) so i i didn't actually finish what i was talking about when i was talking about the play earlier but the play was in the 97 97 
uh, NBA Finals, right? And it's and it's them playing the Jazz, and it's games game six, I believe. But Steve Kerr hits the jump shot to give them the two point lead, right? After Jordan told them in in the huddle that, hey, be ready, I'm going to get you the ball because they're going to double team you right away. He gets it to him, Steve Kerr. In rhythm, running his little curl route right into to the elbow, the le- you know the left elbow of the key rises, sinks the jump shot, bonk, dude, bottoms, <laughs> and uh, bang. The very next play, Utah calls a timeout. The very next play, they inbound it. The inbounder has a serious lapse in judgment, does a cross court throw, and Scotty Pippen, boom, intercepts the pass. Tips the rock in front of him, sprints down. There's I don't I don't recall the jazz player that's coming to get it, but I'd be hard pressed if it wasn't John Stockton. John Stockton's trying to scoop the ball. Scottie Pippen dies, right? This is this is an all-time great player sacrificing his body. Dives, hits the floor, which is not a lot. You don't see people diving a lot a lot nowadays. Hits the floor and pokes the ball out to the right side of the floor and Tony Kukoc is streaking up the floor after he guarded the inbounds pass and Scottie Pippen hits it directly to him. Kukoc scoops. I think he hits one or two dribbles and fucking yams it home. And I'm, I remember I'm sitting there six year old JC sitting with his back against his, the bottom bunk of the bunk bed. My actual, my my actual dad, my real father on one side and my mom on the other side, and I'm losing my mind. And I'm like, this is that was the moment, right? That was the moment. That was the energy. That was when it captivated and took over, and it was no longer like, hey, this basketball is really cool. It's like basketball is the only thing, right? That was it. That was it. And and it's kind of like when you take a, a young child to their first game and they feel the energy of the crowd and it's and it's rocking and it's rolling. The game's close and people are twirling their t-shirts and losing their mind. And I had that equivalent moment like watching this play go down. And I had remember like watching Scotty without MJ and then watching MJ come back and the Bulls winning 72. And I remember all this and I was like, yeah, dude, there was no way I was not going to be a Bulls fan anymore after, after, after that. Yeah. That's, and, that's a good one. And it was like Scotty Pippen, bro. Like, I, you know, and that's, that's one thing I want to spotlight about this doc is that they did such a great job of spotlighting Scotty Pippen flaws and all like the dude has made, had made a lot of sitting mis- out, sitting out with 1.8 seconds left. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he made some, some very flawed miscalculations. Dude, but t- did, I, I don't know, man. I like sitting out. That's fine. But then like the, the, the pat, the pattern doesn't, the pattern doesn't continue for me and Scotty Pippen, right? He, he sits out in 93, 94, Sits out that last 1.8 seconds. Kukoc makes the shot. But then in 97-98, he's still the sixth highest paid player on the Bulls and the 122nd highest paid player in the league. He's not. It doesn't work out. Like the, the baby rhetoric, the immature rhetoric doesn't work out for me. A dude that's immature like that then demands more money. Yeah, and that's where he actually sits out. So, But that's what I was talking about. That was one of the miscalculations I was referencing. I was referencing like his his – uh, lack of foresight in signing a seven-year contract. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And then him sitting out and him not having surgery right away. So and they, they did a real good job of like humanizing these icons, right? They did a real good job of humanizing them and, and showing that it wasn't just Dennis Rodman who had like this ego or these flaws because they they tore Jordan apart in this documentary. Yeah, that was one of that, that was one of the things that I said is that even though Jordan had a hand in producing this series, there was a lot of criticism and personal strife included. If I were to produce a series about my run, I would have been, I would have included the gambling, the lack of political activism, the clips where I'm talking shit to my teammates about missing a layup. My base, my baseball period, where I just got fed up with basketball and didn't want to play. My father's death. I mean, Jordan really, like, really dug deep on this, and I'll and he really dug deep on everybody. Like they, everyone that they covered, they were like, yeah. I mean, this is. I mean, this person has faced strife, or this person has messed up, or this. You know, they they covered Rodman's time before he got to the Bulls after the Pistons. They covered. Scottie Pippen's time where, you know, they, they, his time in 97, 98, where he sat out because he wanted more money and he faked an injury for, you know. Well, he didn't fake it. He just didn't get the surgery right away. True. Yeah. So, I mean, he was hurt, but he, if he would have got the surgery, he wouldn't have missed any time. He just waited <laughs> like a little, like a little shithead. <laughs> yeah. But, and you should. Was, you're the, you're the, you're a below 100 paid player. Yeah. I, I'm not so I'm not knocking it, and I'm not saying that I would have acted any different. You know what I mean? Because uh, that that's that's tough, man. He's all he's doing is contributing to a winning basketball at a high level, and he's not getting compensated for for that. But that contract was integral, uh, astronomically integral. bad. But yeah, it was integral in the bulls being able to maintain such a large championship window. I mean, there's a, there is a reason why the three P in the NBA is such a hard monumental task. Like winning back to back titles is such a hard monumental. Task. Well, winning one title is pretty hard. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously, cause you can, there's only one winner every year. <laughs> grabbing, grabbing your stars at their peak to win one, let alone two, let alone three, let alone three year off three. <laughs> yeah. And that, I, that, that, that right there, right. That's what I want to touch on a little bit is, is Michael Jordan. He was the pioneer icon, right? He was the pioneer sports icon and he kind of, showed the world the value a professional athlete could have. And that's where he had such a complicated history with like political issues or like personal choice with the gambling. Right. And it was the the dude was trying so hard to please so many people that he kind of, he kind of, you know, he stayed straight and narrow and tried to never step out of line. And he and he kind of just played the perfect cog in a machine as best as possible. But now, now I, I, I you know, actually I, I'm gonna do a room three or three first here. I disagree with you about that. I don't think Jordan I don't think Jordan did any of that. I think Jordan danced the dance when he was on the, I, I, actually, I don't. I, I disagree with that too. What I just said. I think Jordan 
did whatever he wanted and basically said, I don't really care if you guys like me. I'm going to go play this game and then go golf and then go gamble, but I'm going to come back and drop 45 the next day, and I don't care what you guys write about me because I'm going to use it as fuel. No, no, that's not what I was. That's not what I was talking about. I was talking about like his endorsements with McDonald's and Coca Cola, and you know he was he was literally like the face of of everything for so long, and that's that's where his lack of speaking out on those political issues, right? Because he didn't want to mess up that that money. He, yeah, I got you know, like he wanted to make sure that he pleased those people. He took care of the people that were close to him, and he took care of himself. It's obviously a very selfish approach, and it, it's it's not something I agree with. But now, right now, Michael Jordan has kind of found this pocket. Now that he's an owner and he's a billionaire, and he, he's already an established individual, and they can't touch him any longer, right? Because back then they could have pulled those, they could have pulled those. Uh, those uh, endorsements very, very quickly. And that could change the persona and the bravado of Michael Jordan in the world, right? He wouldn't have been able to build the icon, he, the icon image he did. Yeah. But now he's kind of in that Dave Chappelle pocket, right? Dave Chappelle has offered all this money to change his show. His, the greatest sketch comedy show in the history <laughs> of, of sketch comedy shows, which is saying something because there's a lot of real good ones. And he went to Africa and he just disappeared to Africa. And because he's like, he's like, no, I'm not taking more money to change the show to make it something you want. Yeah. Right. And Jordan kind of found that Dave Chappelle pocket because Dave Chappelle came back recently and he's done stand up in a time where people are crucifying stand up comedians. You know, they're I mean? like, oh, Dave Chappelle's back. Yeah, I, I love da- this guy. And Dave Chappelle goes on stage and he says what he wants about what he wants and doesn't give a fuck what you think about it. You can either like it or dislike it, but he's going to say his joke no matter what without the social pressures. And that's where Jordan hit. So that's I kind of want to slow quickly transition into the to the hundred mil that Jordan brand uh, f- committed to towards um you know, improving an organizations dedicated to ensuring racial equality, social justice, and greater access to education. Yeah, that was the exact quote. Yeah. So it's like a hundred mil over, over ten years. Over ten years. I mean, ten mil a year. That's that's damn near a million dollars a month. <laughs> I love I, I, I love that. I love that plan. Uh, too often you see, and I, I don't know that I don't know the 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 ski, the uh, not schemes. What am I trying to say? The the specifics of of when athletes donate money, right? But you normally see like two hundred k here, uh, a five hundred, a million here, right? You don't. It, it's it's kind of like that. What what we're seeing, what we've seen, doesn't build, doesn't allow there to be growth in the community, right? I like to think of these athletes donating money to their local. People say, why don't athletes just donate money to their local communities? And it's like, well, they do, but it's like that local community winning a lottery. They get a million dollars out of the blue. So they spend, 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 spend. And then they don't have any, they don't have any funds left to maintain. Obviously, because those, these communities have never seen that type of money. What I love about this deal is it's a shit ton of money. It's a boatload of money. 10 million a year is nothing to scoff at. However, it's basically establishing a, hey, not only am I going to give you this initial investment, 
of which you can buy your community center. You can upgrade your community parks. You can upgrade your schools, buy books, do this. But then when the rent comes due next year, guess what? You have another 10 million. And then guess what? After that, you have eight more years for which you can establish yourself. Now, now when the 10th year comes, I expect you to be operating with a budget. And you need to have someone who's able to manage that type of money. Now you're knowledgeable because you've been doing it for a decade, managing this large sum of money. And now that community that that Jordan donated it to, or those communities that 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 money gets donated to, are now able to use to build that. I think this is the best. I I mean, I it's the best donation I've ever seen towards the black community in in terms in terms of rebuilding impoverished communities. Yeah, and, and to touch on a little bit of what you just said, like that's the best part, right? Because they're establishing a consistent baseline. The like money it, will be it's, there. It's a constant budget that's going to be there. And exactly. like that, that's that's the beauty of it. It's and nothing, so, no, it's so nothing is more. wrong. Nothing is wrong with that donation of a million dollars or two million dollars. Because I'm sure it helps, and 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 the stuff that it's bought for probably lasts for a good five to ten years, but it, there's no growth; it's stagnant, right? We right. always we, we you know when we when we talk about money and we talk about assets and we talk about stock market and we talk about what we want our money to do, we don't want it to just sit in a savings account because that's stagnant. We want it to move it into stuff that grows our money. We want to add more asset flows, more cash flows to our to our assets column, right? That's what this Jordan brand does. That's what we've been talking about over the past month. Yeah, it's 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 it'll be uh it'll be great to see how that that money is actually utilized and, and grows. Um, what else you got on the last dance? I mean, we've already touched on some of my thoughts. So, I, have, I have one more thought that I'm sitting on that I want to. So I'm I got. I, I'll, I'll probably get to it. Right. I got some kind of funny. Some kind of funny things that I noticed because I knew you'd. I knew you'd be. You'd. You'd hit on the on the big topics of it. So starting out in episode one, we come to find that Jordan idolized UCLA and Virginia, but doing some digging into his background and the recruiting. UCLA thought that he intended to stay on the East Coast. Jordan said this was never his intention. And UVA sent him an an admissions form. Just <laughs> sent him an admissions form like a regular bum ass student. Can you imagine how different his legacy would be if he wanted to go if you if he went to UCLA? UCLA never offered him a scholarship because they thought he was going to stay on the East Coast. That's insane. All right, speaking on legacy. So this is this is uh you text me yesterday and you're like, you have anything for thoughts from astute? And I just want to draw it out of you. I drew your last point out of you with the first thing I said. Yeah. Well, you, mentioned God, le- I, you, you know what? Legacy, hey, guys, so we'll hey, segue, guys, we'll I, hey listeners, I got to let you guys know this. this is what professional podcasting looks like. Take notes. <laughs> and so speaking of legacy, I just I just was watching. I was watching the the part where, you know, the Jordan goes to baseball. Right. Yeah. And. And Jordan was going to be, he, he wasn't, I don't think that Jordan was going to be an all time great baseball player. That's not what I think. I think that Jordan was very capable to be maybe a one or two time all-star, but he was going to be one of those dudes who helped put a team together and put them, put them into, he would be a very good service, like 
better than serviceable ball player who actually helped impact wins. Do I think he's going to be like a Mike Trout or a Mookie Betts? I don't think that. I think he could be like shout out. He could be. He could have been like a several time All Star. That that's what was so crazy about that, and it was really just a perfect storm, right? So the media hounded Jordan. Jordan's the first icon, first person ever dealing with all these endorsements, all this media, all these, all the fans, all the people, and he's kind of sick and tired. Then his father dies, and he jumps to baseball. Yeah, and also and- the media, the the media, if like i i thought the media used to be the players friends right the media used to write in columns and they used to in 93 even they were trying to connect his gambling to his father's disappearance media was wilding back in 93 yeah and that's what pushed him away from the game of basketball and so he and so and also and also his dad wanted him to play baseball right and his dad seems you know from the brief points that they were talking about his dad seems like a very genuinely good dude, right? And so it's really a perfect storm of how the the transition from basketball to baseball happens. Because here's the thing. If the Chicago White Sox did not sign Michael Jordan, and let's say it was another baseball team who signed him, then Jordan's not in Chicago, right? When the str- when the professional baseball strike happens. And if he's not in Chicago when the strike happens, then he can't just go to Bulls practices to get that to get that itch scratch of basketball. And all of a sudden, it's like it's kind of like that. That's you, you're slowly turning on the Bunsen burner until you get that full flame. And all of a sudden, Jordan's Jordan's reigniting, right? And then you have an god awful idea that I just pitched last week that the the during the strike. Right, because now the COVID, I believe, in my opinion, is different than just a regular strike. The owners wanted to use replacement players, and they wanted Jordan to be one of those replacement players. And Jordan's like, "Fuck you! I ain't crossing the line. I ain't doing that. I'm a major league baseball player." And that pushed him to hoops even further, right? And then, so this perfect storm—the strike, the the replacement players trying to get Jordan to cross the line. He's still in Chicago. The Bulls are a gosh darn stone throws stone throw away from him. And then his team is still good and Scottie Pippen's wearing Jordans and he puts he puts the shoe into the camera and tells him to come back and boom. It's Jordan comes back. And that was one of those what if scenarios, right? You 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 were you talk about we talk about what ifs all the time. That to me is just like, yo, Jordan was very close to never coming back to basketball. Like people, I don't feel I feel like people don't realize how close we were for for Jordan to win three, walk away, and never come back. Yeah, so so one of my favorite quotes of all time is I don't think it was in the documentary, but even before this documentary, it was one of the best. When when people talk about Jordan playing baseball, his manager in the minor leagues was a guy named Terry Francona. Terry Francona, if you guys don't know who that is, is a very successful baseball manager, took the Boston Red Sox to a couple of World Series, took the Cleveland Indians to a World Series. And he said, his quote was, if you tell, if you, if some guy 
tells Michael Jordan, no, he can't do this. He will find a way to get to yes. He said, was Michael Jordan a good player when he left baseball? No. But he would have found a way to yes. That's one of my favorite quotes of all time. And it was like, no matter what he was doing, he was the best at it. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I think Terry Francona would have been. Also, also shout out 1994, uh, ruining the Montreal Expos as a baseball town forever. But uh, so uh, uh, some of the other stuff that I noticed in the documentary, Bill's Bulls player induction, Bill, Bill's, Jesus Christ, I can't talk. Bulls player introductions. Literally the best of all time and set the standard for our modern day uh, introductions. It literally sounded like they uh, used Bruce Buffer before he was uh, with the UFC to hit him with the uh, out of North Carolina University, Michael Jordan. Um, I love that uh, episode five was dedicated to Kobe. I love that. They threw Kobe in there. It had to be done. They did it perfectly. Uh, I love that Michael used the the little anecdote they put in there, that Michael used Space Jam as an excuse to work out to get ready for baseball, to scout the NBA players, the best NBA players that were in the league, and to get back into basketball shape. I love that. Uh, Speaking of getting into shape, what happened to Horace Grant? Horace Grant was a string bean in the documentary, and he looked like an NFL defensive lineman when in in the last dance. I even texted you when the episode came out, and I was like, "Bro, wait until you get to episode three. Horace Grant is big, like pr- like Horace Grant got like prison big, like that's 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 how big the dude got." And the last thing I said. Or the last the the last observation I made before I'll go into the players that Jordan beat and my favorite quotes, and then I got a question for you, Jermaine. Is Michael Jordan can't drop grudges, and I think it was my favorite part of the Last Dance just to see Michael Jordan still after twenty some odd years, thirty years even, saying to these people, "Oh man, fuck that guy," right? What we learned in here also is don't talk trash to goats. We saw it in the match with Tom Brady. We saw it with Michael Jordan. And sometimes, every time you talk to him, a beat writer, uh, an opposing player, a young, brash rookie, sometimes players on his own team would talk trash to Michael Jordan. Sometimes you had the guy from, uh, I can't remember where it was, maybe the Pacers or something. I can't remember what it was. But that, that he didn't even need to talk trash to him. That Michael Jordan just concocted the dude looked at him and Michael Jordan made up this story about he was playing a pickup game while he was playing in baseball and the dude said good game to him and they got him on the last and he dropped 45 he's gonna score I'm gonna score as many points as you had in the first quarter and he drops it and and Michael Jordan goes yeah I made that story up like are you kidding me made that story up and then I have a theory so because Michael Jordan holds grudges, he can't drop gr- grudges. BJ Armstrong with the Hornets beats him one game in the NBA playoffs. He trash talks Jordan after the game. 
Jordan obviously responds in the next couple of games and beats the Hornets, right? And and proves BJ Armstrong to be a loser. However, what if Michael Jordan, because he can't drop grudges, bought the Hornets just to make them perpetually terrible? The Hornets at the time, by the way, were the Charlotte Bobcats. I think Michael Jordan just bought to, the Hornets just to spite BJ Armstrong. Armstrong and to make them perpetually terrible. Get out of here. Bro. That's, that's what happened. Uh, 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 some of the other stuff that I noticed um, Dennis Rodman never averaged more than six points during his time with the Bulls, but he never averaged less than 15 boards a game. Dude was a glass. Cleaner, Steve Kerr. By the way, greatest rebounder of all time. Greatest rebounder of all time. Maybe even greatest. Maybe even greatest defensive player of all time. He's at least my pick. That one's debatable, but I mean, he's at least my pick. And then my my thing is Steve Kerr, eight time NBA champion. He won five as a player, three as a coach. Bill Russell had 11 championships, including two as a player coach. And Phil Jackson had 11 as a coach, obviously, with the Lakers uh, and the Bulls. And then he had two as a reserve player. So I don't think we can count them. But let me go into let me go. Let me let me hit you, Jermaine, with my with my best quotes of the last dance. I have 10 of them. Number one, the Bulls, the 1980 Bulls were described as a traveling cocaine circus. <laughs> number, number two, and the, the one that made my, draw, my jaw drop in the series is that prior to the 1997-98 season, Jerry Krause hits uh, Jackson with, I don't care if you win 82 games in a row, this will be your last year here. A- and he still managed to pull that team together. And keep that team going, that's incredible. After your boss tells you, you could have the greatest season ever, we're not keeping you. Number three, after Michael Jordan's 1986 63-point playoff performance, Larry Bird was quoted as saying, that wasn't Michael Jordan. That was God disguised as Michael Jordan. I know, Jermaine, that that was your favorite quote uh, in that episode. I believe it was eggplant uh, emoji that you sent me. Uh, number. Yeah, that's that's all time. That's all time. All great time. Quote all time. Another all time great quote. When the Bulls were recruiting Dennis Rodman, Dennis Rodman got asked by Jackson, "Dennis, do you want to play for the Bulls?" And he responded by saying, "I don't care. Whatever. What's up?" Which is a which is a great response to uh, contract negotiations. Real motivation in there. Uh, Jordan in the Cleveland series uh, in the late 80s, talking to beat writers before the game. The beat writers said that Cleveland was going to knock him out in three games. One said three, one said four, one said five. Or I think one said four, one said five, one said six. Jordan points at the one that said four, said, we already took care of you. Points at the one that said five, said, we already took care of you. And points at the one that said six and said, and we're going to take care of you today. He averaged 39 points in that Cleveland series. Uh, My number six quote, the Pistons walking off the court in the 1991 Eastern Conference Finals, as Horace Grant said, like straight up bitches, yo. The 
number seven quote. Yo, that Horace Grant quote was straight up bitches, yo. Horace Grant was a real gem in that yeah. entire documentary. Horace, Horace Grant, a defensive lineman, Horace Grant was was a real gem. Number seven, Michael Jordan's fi- final appearance at Madison Square Garden. He puts on the Jordan ones from 1984, drops 42 on Patrick Ewing, and then says, had to go all the way back to 84 to whoop y'all ass. Number eight, the uh, quote that we talked about already with the uh, political stuff, Republicans buy sneakers too. There was a Democrat in North Carolina, a black Democrat that was running. They asked uh, Jordan why he didn't throw his weight behind the black Democrat. He said Republicans buy sneakers too. Number nine, Reggie Miller learned early in his career and was quoted as saying, don't talk trash to black Jesus. And number 10, and my favorite, my favorite quote of Jordan Facts of all time is when he returned for the 94-95 season, his facts said two words, I'm back. So those are my best quotes from The Last Dance. Jermaine, just real quick, I'm going to take you through a list of players that MJ beat. And these are players that he played in the playoffs that he denied a chance at having one championship. They're all these are all good players. I didn't list every player there. However, players that MJ beat and denied a championship. All right. One is Reggie Miller. Well, I I didn't put him in any order. So Reggie Miller, the glove, uh, Gary Payton, the mailman, Carl Malone, John Stockton. Charles, Charles Barkley, that's terrible. Michael Jordan beat me so many times, Dan Turkey. Patrick Ewing, Dominique Wilkins, one that I snuck in there because he played one season with the Pacers in which the uh, in which Michael Jordan beat him. Chris Mullen, Chris Webber was denied a championship because of Michael Jordan. Dikembe Mutombo, shout out Denver Nuggets Dikembe Mutombo, also denied a championship. Penny Hardaway denied a championship. Sean Kemp denied a championship. And maybe the greatest Cleveland Cavalier that doesn't have the initials LJ, Mark Price denied a championship because of Michael Jordan. Yeah, he... uh... He was so good at stopping great all-time teams from doing what they were supposed to do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> his, his, that was one thing I really wanted to talk about uh, when we were talking about this is, like, the difference between a, like, you know, the greatest of all time, like the mindset of someone who is considered the greatest of all time is just so wild compared to to anyone else. Like, you, <laughs> what's well, just? I I think the element of there is like I think they talked about it or they did talk about it in this series. Is Jordan just didn't have any fear? He was like, I, I haven't experienced it yet, so why do I need to fear it? Yeah, and, and that's just, I I think that's a real great player thing. Is you just don't you just don't fear it. You're just like, okay, I'm gonna go do I'm gonna go do what I've been training to do. And if I do bad, well, I'll do good the next night. Yeah, it's just the the wiring, the makeup, like the the 
win at I don't all think Michael costs. Jordan wore makeup. <laughs> the win at all cost mentality for sure is just something that in order to be the best of all time, like that is that that needs to be ingrained in you and that needs to be something that you will never ever lose. Like Kobe Bryant showed it, LeBron James shows it, you know, despite his record. <laughs> like LeBron James is a King Hooper just like that. It's you it's like win at all costs. I mean LeBron pins the ball against the backboard in one of the all time great sports moments. You know? And Jermaine, you must be a professional podcaster too. <laughs> because hashtag segue because my last thing that I was going to bring up to you before we move on to our last two segments is Jermaine or uh, Jermaine's <laughs> MJ's retirement after the 93 season was classified in the show as a where were you sports moment for obviously our th- that generation our dads and our moms their generation, that was a where were you in sports moment. So I came up with a couple of moments off the top of my head that I think are our generation's uh, where were you moment in sports. So obviously you could have gone with we could have done a couple, not not the entire. We could we could have gone with the easy like we had a we had a lot of moments. We had Osama bin Laden's death. Obviously that happened while sports were going on. Nine eleven stopped sports for a while, and then once they came back. But my my I'll give you my top three, Jermaine, because I remember exactly where I was when this happened. Number three is the 2016 Villanova National Championship buzzer beater. Oh, I know where I was for that one. Number two was Tiger Woods winning the 2019 Masters. Oh, I know where I was at for that one also. That's that's a and number one was Landon Donovan in the 2010 World Cup scoring oh. the go-ahead the go-ahead goal to get the United States into the group stage against Algeria. Was it 2010 or was it 2010? 2010. 2010. Are you sure? You're thinking of Guyana in 2014. So this wasn't the World World Cup that was in South Africa. I think so. Anyways, I yeah, remember that 2010. Goal. Okay, I believe you. Yeah. I remember that one too. That That was a uh, Are we sure? <laughs> okay, hold on. I, hold on. I'll look it up. You try, try. I think it's 2014, man, because I was in Virginia when cuz that was that the same that was the same um Oh no, Landon Donovan didn't play in 14. He was left off that team, wasn't <laughs> Yes. He? Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, you're right. It's 2010. Not even, not even listening to me. Yeah. So, (laughs) so in, so in 2010 was the year that they um, trust but verify. England, Slovenia, Algeria, and the United States. They tied England, tied Slovenia, and needed to beat Algeria to uh, go on to advance to the knockout stage. Because remember, England was so England was playing Slovenia, and England won earlier in the day. But if the United States had not won, Slovenia would win, would advance. Gotcha. Yeah, I remember what you're talking about now. Yeah. So they advanced. Oh man, those are all great. Those are I like those picks. Those are those are great. Yeah. 
So, and then, and then my final question for you is what, what do you, what do you want the next 10 part, uh, ESPN docuseries to be? My pick would be the 2008 Florida Gators. How, how you don't have a, a 10 part docuseries on the campus at the time. I can just rattle off players from the top of my head. Uh, Aaron Hernandez, Joakim Noah, Tim Tebow, Cam Newton, uh, the pouncy, the, the pouncy, the pouncy, the pouncy twins. Uh, Percy, Percy Harvin. Harvin. Uh, what's uh, who's the racist guy who played with the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, Riley, Riley Cooper. Cooper. Dude, I, I mean, I don't even want to throw in a second uh, answer to that. That's but that's my that's 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 my I want pick. The next one we're gonna see is gonna be a Lakers. It's gonna be it's gotta be a Lakers. The Shaq Kobe feud, but winning through the Shaq Kobe feud, it's it's the antithesis of the of the Jordan Payton or the Jordan uh, Pippen. So Jordan reason, Pippen were so in sync. The reason why I'm not as excited for that one is because Kobe's not around anymore. RIP Kobe, but it's just like him not being around anymore is kind of Yeah. Maybe they'll do it more as a tribute piece. Yeah. It's just because you're not going to be able to get like the – and that was kind of one of the – my. that's like if I had a complaint about the Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, it would be that Jerry Krause wasn't there to provide his his side to it because he, he's such a key piece that, that so many people like – never got to hear from he doesn't get to defend himself he doesn't get a he doesn't get a i guess, explain, he I guess get jerry bus stuff. isn't around either so yeah, yeah maybe maybe, maybe the lakers maybe, maybe the lakers documentary isn't gonna happen but that 2008 florida documentary that's got that's happen. the one we need the 2008 florida one yeah tim tebow the man of god leading a bunch of degenerates just moving hella weight the man of <laughs> the man of god leading <laughs> satan's army yeah, I mean, Aaron Hernandez was on that team. That was just interesting. Yeah. Well, so uh, well, so I was going to say as we as we draw down here, I, we we talked about if you guys haven't heard our last episode. Our last episode is is we, we mentioned one thing about sports and that and that's Drew Brees, and we looped that back into the current political strife and, and black strife that's going on right now in our country. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that. Go back and listen to that episode. That's Jermaine and I talking without any filters on, talking about what needs to be done in this political climate. I just wanted to mention, we didn't mention really specifically, I didn't, I think Jermaine mentioned a few by name, but some of the Black Lives Matter charities and donations that you guys can contribute to. So some of the ones that I've that I written down here is the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, the Bail Project, Actually, just Black Lives Matter. If you just go to the main Black Lives Matter page, you can donate straight to them. Uh, the George Floyd Memorial Fund uh, and the Know Your Rights Camp Legal Defense Initiative. That's the actual one started by Colin, or, uh, Colin Kaepernick to defend the protesters in Minneapolis. And there's many, many more. You just have to Google. There's hundreds of organizations that you can support. Make sure you do your research so you're not just giving money to a dude on the street who says he's supporting uh, a charity because at any time of strife, there's going to be people looking to exploit off it. So make sure you guys do your research and, and contribute to the right thing, but please, please contribute. Jermaine said he's going to contribute $500. I'm going to contribute some, sum of money. I don't know what it is yet. 
obviously I'm going to grad school here, so I got to come up with some form, former facet of money that I'm comfortable with sending. And once my bills get all locked out in the next month, I'll, I'll have that sum and I'll, I'll announce it for you guys. But that's that, that I just wanted to stick that one in there, Jermaine. All right. Tight. Yeah. I uh, thank you very much for actually getting that out of the way to give people where they can go to donate the money and stuff like that. Um, I mean, it's still a tough, tough time, but you know, I'm glad to see that everyone's moving and shaking the way they go. I, I, that's one thing I wanted to touch on is to say congratulations to you on getting accepted to the uh, sports management program at Temple University for your master's degree. And here shortly, we'll have Nicholas Morhan uh, mudding up some franchise like Michael Jordan did with the Charlotte, Charlotte Bobcats slash Hornets. No, dude. So, so here's so here's my theme, right? I'm gonna or, or, or here's my goal. I'm going to the Baltimore Orioles, right? They can't get worse. Right. So I, I've always said the best role, the best position in sports is a baseball long reliever. Right. Because you come in when your team's already down by 10. You can't do any worse. Can't do any worse in the game. So if the Baltimore Orioles hire me as a GM, I can only go up. And then if I win a championship with Baltimore, I can just retire as the dude that won a championship with the Baltimore Orioles. So that's first my thing, plan. First things first, you got to get Chris, get rid of Chris Davis's contract. No, I'm gonna hire. I'm hiring him as my hitting coach. <laughs> that's that's, no that's the first initiative. All right, let's wrap it up. We'll find him and cut him, and then our handles, and then send everyone home. Yeah, so our, our find him and cut him for this week. So the LA Galaxy just released uh, their midfielder Alexander Kate following racist and violent social media posts. Jermaine, this seems like something that. You would probably you would probably release somebody for right if they've made they've made racist and violent that's not acceptable in the workplace is it? Seems like a fine them and cut them offense. I mean, if you're if you've made violent and racial posts on social media, you should probably lose your job. However, <laughs> swerve, Jermaine, swerve, swerve, swerve. This is not a fine them and cut them for Mister. Kata, this is a fine and cut him for the LA Galaxy because the posts were actually made specifically by his wife yeah. on a separate Twitter account and did not mention him at all. He got fired because his wife had a racist opinion. <laughs> like that is Yeah. Like I mean like, like, at the like no like no like uh no reach out for like the LA Galaxy to be like, "Yo, dude, like maybe like Cut your wife off Twitter for a little bit, like, like nothing, just gone. Nah, yeah. him. just gone, just Career out. Over, congratulations, you picked a winner. <laughs> yeah, so LA Galaxy, you're getting fined and cut. Everybody, like we said, we're back. We're we're releasing it every week. This week, obviously, we released two episodes, so we're recording this on Saturday. Uh, thank you guys for listening so much. Uh, we appreciate the. Uh, the comments, the love, everything that you guys have sent us. We, we really enjoy doing this and, and we make it a priority to do us to do this. Uh, so we really appreciate it. Jermaine. Yeah. Just, you know, ditto to everything Nick says. We couldn't, uh, we couldn't uh, enjoy this as much as we do without pe- the few with our few listeners out there who actually uh, engage with us and let us know what they like and dislike, or if they agree or don't agree which is the beauty of America. Um, with that being said, follow us at podcast room 303 on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, we, we're done for the day. We're the night.
that's it yeah enjoy enjoy your time in in uh phoenix germain uh don't uh wrap it before you tap it uh don't spend too much money and remember to think with your big head not your small head and that's to everybody out there so germain i'll talk to you next well i'll talk to you i'll talk to you on the phone in like 10 minutes but I'll talk to you uh, next week, and everybody else, we'll uh, we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Holla at your boy, y'all.